Hello, and welcome back to the 24th episode of the High Side News Podcast. This week, we have plenty to talk about from the World Superbike Paddock, with many contracts being signed and some big news on where six-time World Superbike champion Jonathan Ray will be riding next season. As per usual, I'm joined by Dawn and Jack Hammersley to guide you all through the silliest of silly seasons. Good afternoon, Dawn. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Luke. Fine, thank you. This World Superbike silly season, it's, it's been wild, to say the least. Did you honestly expect half of the moves that we have seen happen? Did you expect them to happen or, or not? No, not really. I really didn't think that Jonathan Ray would move over to Yamaha. I was surprised about that. Yeah, you know, even, I know it's old news now as such, but even the top racks of BMW leaving Yamaha, you know, those two bombshell moves that have happened. Um Good afternoon, Jack. How have you been keeping? I'm being fine, thank you. Do you think we'll see any more bombshell moves across the paddocks of MotoGP, World Superbike and BSB before the start of the 2024 season? Uh, I think when we find out uh, who takes the Prabac and Grassini spots, I think that'll be interesting. What happens with KTM, with Acosta, and then who gets that uh, now factory Kawasaki seat? Yeah, so there are still some big seats to sort out and really little time left before the end of the season comes around, really. There's only a couple of months now before they'll all be, well, for some championships, a month until they'll be packing up and looking towards 2024. But anyway, let's start with Jonathan Ray. There's no other place really to start from a, a, a British point of view. Six-time world champion, Jonathan Ray, nine seasons with Kawasaki in his ninth at the moment, will leave Kawasaki at the end of the season and will switch over to Yamaha, like Dawn, you said earlier on, on a two-year deal. Not one... I, I'd, we'd heard about it. It had obviously been you know, a bit of a, a worst-kept secret in the, in the paddock, but I didn't think it would happen. Dawn, in your honest opinion, did you think you would... You know, you could see... Jonathan switching green for blue next season? No, I honestly didn't. I thought he'd see out his career uh, in green. But I don't blame him, though. He's in the latter stages of his career. He's probably thinks I've done all I can on the Kawasaki now. So I don't blame him for making the move at all. I think it's quite exciting. Yeah, it's a nice challenge and it will be good for a fan's point of view to see. Jack, when you sort of, you know, you see Top Rack leaving Yamaha, is there really anyone else that Yamaha could have gone for who could help fight for a championship other than Jonathan Ray? Because Bautista was pretty much always going to stay at Ducati. I think the only plausible person would probably have been Frankie if he was open to going to World Tour Bikes. But obviously he was like, no, I want to stay in GP. So success. the only person that's been able to take it to Bautista or Top Rack in the last two, three years has been Ray. So I guess he's a... And it does seem like Kawasaki are dropping off the development side of things. So for Ray's career, I think it's to try and prove that he's still a championship contender. He can uh, hop onto a more competitive bike, let's say. Yeah, I was um, reading some of like the, the headline quotes from the Aragon test. What was it last week now? Um, and the main thing that I saw was Jonathan Ray had said he's looking to end... This was before the Yamaha announcement. Jonathan Ray was looking to 
end 2023 on a high. And Alex Lowe's was talking about what they were developing for 2024 and what their aims were sort of thing for what to improve on. And straight away I thought, I don't know why Jonathan wouldn't be saying the same sort of things and why he's only wanted to end 2023 on a high. So that straight away made me think at that time, maybe this move is going to happen. But I honestly thought Agatha would get that ride, to be honest, with how he's been riding in his rookie Superbike season. Um, Jack, I know it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to call because we haven't seen Jonathan on anything else but Kawasaki for years now. But do you think he'll gel quite nicely with the Yamaha or do you think it might be a bit of a struggle in the in the first couple races? I think Toprak. Toprak won his first race in the Yamaha from a Kawasaki, so I can't see I mean he didn't have granted he didn't have Bautista on the Ducati then, so Bautista would have probably won that race, but uh I think Jonathan will just hop he's hopped up from a Honda to a Kawasaki and he won the first race, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he hops on that Yamaha first time and maybe not Philip Island, but um, say Mandalika, if he can, or wherever the second round will be next season, he can hop on and be fighting Bautista for the win. Yeah, do you know, Philip Island as well, a track where Jonathan's always gone well, so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, him up towards the front. Will be weird seeing him in blue, though, thinking about it now. It will be very, very strange to see, actually. He started his career in blue, technically. Uh, true, yeah. And then, but it's just the last, you know, nine years we've seen him in green. And it's just, it's going to be weird to get used to for, you know, all the success come with Kawasaki, you know, Honda. Obviously, weren't at that level. But, yeah, it will be a nice, a nice change. Um, Dawn... We spoke about it a little bit when the news came out. You know, I, I asked you both who you think would replace him. So, you know, who who do you think will be the rider that will come in and fill the boots of, of Jonathan Ray at KRT? This is going to be, like, the interesting one because I suddenly thought of, like, Michael Ruben Rinaldi. He's, he doesn't want... He wants a factory seat. He wants to still be up there on a competitive bike. So, for me, uh, we could perhaps see him in green instead of red and there's Scott Redding as well he hasn't announced he's just said he wasn't leaving World Superbike so has he been holding back just to see what happens there so my money would be on either of those two interesting Jack I know I think you had a different rider in mind for who you think would replace Jonathan who is your your call to take take that seat I'm hoping they just go completely outside the box and go with Puertas or maybe Chanoncho. Okay. Because Puertas did really well on the test. He like was already on really good. Like maybe I think he was like matching Lowe's, Alex Lowe's for race pace, which is very impressive when you first go. So maybe that could be reason why he was there just to see like if they were to take him as a punt, how well would he do? Uh, maybe Bassani as well or Vierge. Or maybe Laquona. If it, you know Laquona still wants to ride in GP, but at the moment Honda doesn't seem to have many doors open for him at the moment. So maybe he might want to do like a Ray move and switch to Kawasaki from Honda. But I'd I'd like to see Huertas or Ronchi have a go on it. I'm glad you brought up Huertas, and I thought you would after sort of our, our chat in the week. But I saw a lot of people on social media when you know mentioning about. Huertas that he wasn't ready you know 11th in the World Supersport Championship isn't good enough hasn't stepped on the podium yet in Supersport if, my, if I'm correct on that front 
Um, but I think it's worth taking the gamble. You know, you've sort of they've sort of sat still Kawasaki the last couple of years. They've looked towards these older riders with Alex Lowe's, Tom Sykes, uh, Jonathan Ray, obviously aged for his time there, and really. I can't really think of the you know the last couple of years it's sort of just been a bit stagnant with how it's gone so I think someone younger like Huertas what is he like 20 years old or something so yeah. bringing him in would bring in a new lease of life to Kawasaki someone like Bassani I think could be interesting he wanted that factory ride uh, well he wanted just Catty factory ride that has now gone which is what we'll talk about next but Scott Redden I wouldn't be surprised he said he had some news to share at Imola. Um, that obviously never came out. And the, the rumours of Jonathan Ray to Yamaha started just before Imola. So I wouldn't be surprised if he expected um, Jonathan and Yamaha to announce stuff sooner so that he can announce his, his Kawasaki move. But that's all just speculation. We'll see whether that actually does does happen. Dawn, I guess, you know, a, a, another move I've just spoke about, the factory Ducati move. It has now come out. It will be Nicolo Bulliger. It's someone that we all rate very highly. I think it's someone that you and Jack both predicted would take that factory seat off of Rinaldi. Are you happy to see the news that Bulliger will be moving up to Superbikes in the factory Ducati squad? Yes, very much so. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. And he deserves the ride, definitely. Yeah, I think he'll be a good partner for Alvaro. Do you think maybe... The move straight into a factory team could be a bit of a risk because obviously he's had, he's done some tests with Ducati at like Mugello. But do you think not putting him in a satellite team first could be a bit of a gamble? Maybe. No, I think the way he's handled himself on road this season, he's just been a completely different rider. And no, I think he's going to be fine, and he'll handle himself well. Yeah, he's, he has. The Supersport Championship has been pretty much Bulliger all year long, so it'll be a bit strange if he doesn't end up winning that championship. But I think, obviously, there will be the pressure of having Bautista as your teammate. But is it a two-year deal he signed? I didn't actually see whether... I didn't see how long... I'm not sure. It would probably be multi-year. There's no way they'd put him in there for one year. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he'll adapt to it quick enough if they keep doing tests with him as well Jack I guess on the other side of you know looking at it do you think it's a bit hard on someone like um, Rinaldi who was in that seat already had done a decent enough job to be the number two to Bautista or do you think it's a fair enough decision from Jacquet's side I mean they give they given Michael uh, three years in the team Bautista has shown the potential of the bike and Ronaldo really probably should be finishing in the top three of the championship and he's simply sometimes it is his fault sometimes it's not but he hasn't been able to bring those results like Alvaro has especially when it's tracks but it's clear that Ducati is the best bike and some of the time he's not finishing in second place when he should be doing so I feel like Ducati want to um, go with somebody they reckon can do a better job and it does surprise me a little bit that because of Belega's height is obviously quite a big thing he's about six foot whereas Ducati said they just want small riders like Bassani, Rinaldi, Bautista so it'll be interesting to see how they do but Petrucci you know he's massive as well so I don't think it'd be too much of a problem and I think Belega will just not 
simply uh, adapt to the bike very well and just uh, I feel like year one will be adapt to the bike to the tires get everything and then set him then I've I'm convinced Bautista to retire next year and then 2025 they'll put uh, Nico to try and win the championship. I was actually going to ask you, so I'm glad you've mentioned about Bautista retiring now. Do you think going with someone like Bouliger obviously will be tactical because you know Bautista's not getting any younger, let's face it. What is he now, 38, 39? Yeah, yeah. so the, the choice of youth with, what is he, 23 Bouliger, whereas Ronaldo was like 27, 28, something around those, those age ranges, so... Do you think it's a bit of a tactical choice going with Bouliger? Yeah, I mean, you could obviously go with Sane because he's similar age, but I feel yeah. like maybe they want maybe they just trust trust him a bit better than Bassani, who's a bit uh, more aggressive, let's say, or unpredictable. But I wouldn't be surprised if they just if they told Axel just stay motorcourse for one more year, then you can hop in when Bautista leaves. Should he retire? Yeah, you've. Uh... Stolen my next question right now. Of do you think they'll put in Bassani to replace Bautista? Obviously, that is something you do think they'll do. I guess. If they can um, hold on. Yeah, if if they hold on to him, that is. Do you think they will be able to hold on to him? They'll be pushing to. They'll be saying if they, I think if they can make the promise of him being in the team, if they can make the promise that he will eventually get in the team, I'd say yes. But obviously, if he's getting calls from Kawasaki or something like mm. that it's going to be hard to not let him go yeah I mean it's looking Dawn it's looking scary when you look down the riders that Ducati are going to have next year they're going to have Bautista still Bouliger potentially Bassani potentially Petrucci um, they're officially going to have Yanone on one of the satellite Ducatis now Sam Lowe's on a satellite Ducati they you know, there's still the thing of Michael Rubin Ronaldi might have to settle to go back down to a satellite Ducati bike. Do you realistically see anyone other than Ducati winning the Constructors and the Riders' Championship next season? No, definitely not, no. I think they're just going to be too much of a force for, you know, even their best competitors. Like, it's going to be Ducati all the way. I... Yeah, obviously the big thing we've spoke about Sam, so I'll, I'll skip over him. But the main other one is Andrea Yanone. Gigi Delinia announcing that he is going to ride a satellite Ducati in World Superbike next season. Something that's been rumoured since Mizano earlier on this season. Are you excited to see Yanone back, or is there a bit of like still not sure whether he should be back in a World Championship after how he left MotoGP? Yeah, I, I'm. I am a little bit excited. Like I said, I just can't wait to see what he can do. Apparently, he's been keeping himself very bike fit doing track days. So, yeah, I think that is going to be a bit of an eye opener for us to just to see what he can do. Yeah, I think it all depends what satellite squad he gets put in as well. It looks yeah. like it'll be go eleven from what I've read and what I've heard, but. I'm not sure on that front exactly where he'll be. Um, it just looks ominous. And I'm just thinking now of the Ducatis on that grid. So do you honestly see Yanone being, getting at least a couple podiums in his first season in World Superbikes? Yeah, I could see that, definitely. I mean, Ducati must have faith in him. 
because you know there's people knocking on the doors for their rides so they haven't just sort of oh well we've got a spare bike we'll put in only on it but so i you know i really think that catty think he is capable of getting onto that podium yeah so just looks up then he's, he's 34 years old now so he's not as young as the likes of caracasulo that they have in super sport and such so they have the options and they've gone for for Yanone, so I guess there must be some reason. And do you think also things like sponsors might be another backing behind it? Because a name like Yanone, you know, a MotoGP race winner, will probably bring in some big sponsors. So do you reckon that was a big factor as well? Yeah, could have been, definitely. And the fact he's Italian, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, they have gone with a very Italian lineup, actually, when you think about it with Bulliga as well, stepping step in as well, yeah. We'll see. I'm sure that's going to be an exciting front to, to see next season as well. Jack, we were speaking about other riders who have signed. Do you think we'll see anyone else getting displaced out of their current teams? I know you mentioned Baz before we started recording. Do you reckon he'll end up staying at BMW now that, that Kawasaki's open? Or do you think he's most likely out the door of the, the Novo? I'd say he's probably... It honestly depends where Scott... If Scott stays at BMW, I think Baz is the one that's going to go. If Scott goes to Kawasaki, then I think Baz will stay. Uh, if Baz is forced out the door, I have no idea where he'll go because I'm not sure what bikes he could, are available. But it's a shame because he, he's obviously good enough to be on the grid and can easily, if on his day, he can easily be on the podium if the bike's working and he's at 100% fitness. Uh, I think Ertel as well, he might be out of place. Maybe you might have to go back to Super Sport or something like that. Yeah, I can't lie. Ertel's been under the radar is the, the nicest way of putting it on his part this season. Um, he had, what's this, his second season in World Superbikes now? So he's had a chance to prove himself and it's just not really happened in that Go 11 squad for him. And this season, I, I'd go as far as saying it might be a little bit worse than last season from where the other Ducatis are compared to him. Um, Obviously, there are still some big names. We don't know where they're going to be. Um, Scott Redham, uh, Rinaldi, Laquona, Vierge, Bradley Ray, we're still unsure of as well. Dawn, I'll ask you sort of, I'll ask you about one of them and see you know, where you think they might end up. Someone like Bradley Ray. Do you think he'll end up staying where he is or do you think he's already signed? Because I know there was that talk that we had about maybe he has signed where he went away and had the operation after Imola. Yeah, I think Brad's going to stay where he is, definitely. He's, he's had a very good rookie season. He seems to have gelled with the team. It looks like a small team. So nice, probably family atmosphere for him. And, you know, he's done really well. So I think, yeah, definitely. I think he had the operation and he must have signed then. So I think we'll see him with the same team. Yeah, most likely in blue. I expect staying with Yamaha. Jack, another rider that's just come to my mind that I always forget really is in World Superbikes is Remy Gardner. What? do you see happening with Remy? Because obviously we've seen Agatha has signed with Yamaha for next season. Obviously he won't be in the factory team. We'll probably be in GRT again. Do you see them keeping Remy or do you reckon they might be a little underwhelmed with how his first season's gone compared to Agatha's? Well, I mean, he's been beating Domi in the past couple of rounds. So I'd say, and he had a really good Philip Island until the crash in the sprint race. So, 
I think Remy's and Remy's a slow burner, so he, he takes time to figure everything out. But I feel like it's all just a safe option to keep everything at Yamaha the same now. If everything's been sorted at the top, and then maybe the year after you can model things about if needs be. But I'd like to see Remy have another year on the GRT Yamaha. Yeah, it would be unlucky for Remy if he got dumped out of two teams after one year, uh, both with his MotoGP and World Superbikes. Um, I'll ask you about Scott Redden as well, Jack. Where you know, where do you honestly see him going now that we have that Kawasaki seat open? Do you see him trying his best to stay at BMW and be alongside Top Rack, or do you see him trying to push for this Kawasaki ride now to partner Alex Lowe's? I'm be surprised if he's trying to go to Kawasaki, but um, also he'll know where the BMW is heading most likely. Uh, and also, I think it depends on where BMW is going to slot bet- between him and Vandermark. So, but I feel like Scott's option is either Kawasaki or stay at BMW, and if he's already signed for BMW, they might not allow him to break his contract. So, I'll just wait and see. That's true, yeah. I forgot he'd said he actually had signed somewhere, hadn't he? So if he hadn't signed for Kawasaki, it's pretty much game over really now for him, I guess. Now that's an option. Um, The main lineup I have no clue on is the Team HRC bikes. Sort of Javi Vierge, Javi Vierge, and Ike Lacuona. Javi has said he signed somewhere, can't say where. And Lacuona says he has no contract whatsoever. Dawn, what do you see happening with those two, Vierge and Laquona? Because I, I don't know if they'll end up at Honda or if we'll get a surprise move and they'll end up at Kawasaki or a satellite Yamaha or do you know what I mean with those two? Yeah, there's a massive question mark over them too because this year, the once one will turn up, then you don't see anything of the other one. So I, I don't know. I think definitely one will have to go and they need somebody a little bit more stronger on the seat. But who that will be, I really don't know. I, I couldn't pick out the two of them that would say, well, no, you can go. But whether Laquona is hoping to perhaps try and find a, a ride in GP with him going over there so much that he has done this season. So, yeah, I don't really know. I was going to say, now Zarko's got that LCR seat, do you actually think Laquona's got an option now in MotoGP? No, you wouldn't think he had really, would you now? The door's shut there, really. So perhaps he might just have to look at doing another year with Honda in the World Superbike paddock. If one of them did leave the Honda squad, do you think someone like Taron McKenzie would be a good option to replace them? Where, you know, he's had his he's had his outings on the Honda Superbike in the test. He's done Suzuka 8 hour with them. Do you think he'd be a genuine option and a World Supersport race winner for them? I do, yes, definitely. You know, he proved his worth in the last round when he, you know, he won the Super Sport race. I think Taron would be a very good fit. <laughs> do you think they would think of him, or do you think it's just a British bias from our point of view that we want Taz on a superbike? <laughs> well, the fact that like Liam Camier, um, you know, he's the team manager, so to me that could put a little bit of an opening in there for Taz. If he wasn't the team manager, then I, I would say no, but. You know, would Leon like to see him there? I mean, he had Leon Haslam there at one point, so I guess the British door isn't shut. And he is the only 
Honda to win a race outside of endurance racing this season, I believe. Yeah. Rins. Uh, yeah. You got Rins. Oh, Rins, yes, of course. I forgot about Rins. That was ages ago. Oh, yeah. Completely forgot about him. Yeah, off to Yamaha as well. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to call. Honda. I'm not sure on any of their fronts that they really know what they're going to end up doing next season. That's one that we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, Magni Core this weekend for World Super Bikes. Um, let's make some predictions right now of where we think this weekend's going to go. Where you know everyone's still on their bikes; they've been on all, all the way through the season. Jack, have you got any ideas for this weekend? What is going to happen in World Superbikes? Uh, Bautista's going to win race one and two in Top Rack or win the sprint race. Bautista one and two and Top Rack sprint race. I'm gathering this is going to be a a uh, common uh, prediction really throughout most of the uh, most of the thing. I think it'll be a bit like last year where Bautista will keep overtaking Top Rack down the straight and then Top Rack will keep passing him back into the hairpin. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I could see that happening. Dawn, what are your thoughts towards this weekend in World Superbikes? Who can you see winning the, the free races across the weekend? Uh, I'll go with Bautista for the two main races. And I think Top Rack for the sprint. Yeah, I... Uh... I thought that would be the case. Right. Now, what can I throw out there that might happen that is a bit... Um, I don't want to do a Bautista triple. That's boring. Um, Bautista will win race two. And Top Rack will win race one and the sprint race. Where I'm going for it. Why not make it slightly different? Race one and sprint. Um, I will speak about it now before we uh, we forget again to mention it. Bautista, he's officially doing a MotoGP wildcard. Something we've been meaning to talk about for a while now. We keep forgetting. Um, Jack Sapang, he's doing a wildcard on a factory spec Ducati. What do you expect from Bautista on his return to, to MotoGP, I guess. Uh, I think it will definitely vary on the weather, uh, how much track time he gets and all these kind of things. But I think if it's an ideal world where it's dry all weekend, it's really hot conditions where there's really low grip and his and his size, everything that can attribute to his size can work perfectly, I would not be surprised if he ended up on the podium. Oh, then what? I feel like I'll, I'll tell you, it'll be it'll be surprised to me. Maybe if like in, also depend on his qualifying and, and his sprint before. Uh, well, I don't actually know. Just his qualifying, really, because we it'll be his first time trying to. It won't probably have the same feeling as it will with the SEQ tire compared to a soft tire. But I feel like if he can have a decent start, I'd say he can get two points. I think you get points paying finish in the sprint to possibly a podium in, in the actual race. Do you think, obviously, you know, he's done track time at tests on the Ducati this season. Do you think that will 
help him in any way where it was at Mazzano? Or do you think where Sepang is a completely different track, it will sort of be irrelevant when he gets there? Yeah, it'll be a bit, I mean, I think he'll need one more test beforehand if he can get one. I think it would be ideal. Well, no time will be quite restrictive given um, when the season ends and then he's got to fly to Sepang in a couple of weeks. So I hope Ducati can give him a just a small test, even if it's in Haref, where it will be completely different conditions, but if they can give him the feeling of the tyres and the bike before they go out, I think that's all he'll need. And then give him FP1 to understand the track again, and then I think he can be off from there. Uh, is I have heard people saying he's going to get a podium, and obviously you uh, are confident he'll probably be up towards that sharp end. Are you thinking that like a top seven finish for Bautista, if he doesn't crash, obviously, uh, is almost a, a guarantee, I guess, at Sepang? I wouldn't say guarantee, but I feel like he'll be... I think his minimum will probably be like a top eight or a top ten. Okay, yeah, a top 10, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that being the, the his minimum I think, result. I don't know, he might not care about the result. I think he just care about trying to have the most fun possible and just, and then at the end of it, just see just see how it ends up. But I feel, I feel like it would be funny if he ended up, did, if he did win. Yeah, that would be, a, that'd be an interesting story. <laughs> it, it would be. I don't know if it will, but it, it would be crazy to see. Dawn, what are your thoughts on his, on his wild card? Do you think it'll be a, a good call from Ducati giving him this one-off, or do you think it's just the sort of thank you for winning us potentially two World Superbike titles back-to-back? Yeah, I think he deserves it. He really does for everything that he's done. And like you say, there'll be no pressure on him. He'd have secured, hopefully, his uh, World Superbike Championship title again. So just go out there, do what you can. But I think he'll definitely finish inside the top ten. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion as you both. I think the top 10 will be his minimum expectation. Um, I do think it'd be funny if he beat people like Bastianini. I know Bastianini's now injured and will probably you know, have a longer recovery time now. He's out until Japan, I think it is. So people like Digi as well would be interesting if he beats them and if he ends up battling with someone like Martin, who's of similar stature to, to Bautista, really, height-wise, not... Build-wise, Batista looks quite scrawny from what I've seen of him. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting. That whole thing's a bit of a... Not really a gamble. I don't think they're thinking of him as a MotoGP ride at all. I think they're happy keeping him in Superbike for the future. So it's just nice. It'll be good to see. And like you said, Jack, if he wins it, it'll be <laughs> a massive upset for the for the MotoGP. I was going to say history books, but Bayless has done it before, hasn't he? So... One thing I'm thinking, if he does have a poor qualifying, aggression didn't give you a problem because he's been fighting with Toprak and Ray for the past mm. couple of years, so, and he'll know exactly how, to, and you have your sprint experience as well, so I don't think he'll have any problems with racecraft and battling, will he? Yeah, he might be uh, the most aggressive MotoGP rider in that race, to be fair, because Mark Marquez, I would say, normally would be the most aggressive, but we've seen this season, whenever he tries to be aggressive, he loses the front, and he, or loses the rear, and ends up in the gravel. So I genuinely believe Bautista could be a a massive scrapper that we haven't really seen this year, because they've all been a bit nice to each other throughout the season, really. So could be an interesting one to see. Anyway, as well as this weekend having World Superbike, we do also have MotoGP action from Mizano. 
and last weekend we had MotoGP action at Catalonia. We'll talk about that briefly. There is a big talking point, really, from that race that started right at the start. Um, though, the MotoGP race, Alicia Spargro did the double, won both the sprint and the main race. Dawn, I think Jack called it last week that uh, Alicia would be, be strong if the weather held out and it was dry. Sort of was it good to see Alicia his home track like they keep saying like they kept saying all weekend it really is is you know on his back doorstep was it good to see him uh, getting another race win this season? Yeah, it was because they just seem to he's had a a lacklustre season really and everyone's just talking about more about when he's going to retire and he's probably going to be a test rider so for him to actually come out and win two races you know it just shows that you know he's still a very very good rider. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, there's been the thing of this season, Aprilia, were a bit underwhelming at the start of the season as well from all sides of things, and his teammate delivered as well, Maverick Vinales, um, finished runner-up to Aleph really throughout the weekend. Did you expect to see the Maverick that we saw? Because from the start of the races, at both of the races, he was there or thereabouts at the front. He didn't drop into the pack. Was that a surprise to see? Yes, very much so. I mean, normally he hits reverse on the start line, don't. But no, he, he was definitely taking it to his teammate. Now, definitely, be interesting to see what he does this weekend. Yeah, I was going to say Mazzano would be a track on paper that I put down as being one that Vinales would like. Um, I'm not sure historically how he's done there. Um, Jack, when you look at the Aprilias, and I know there's been a lot of talk about it recently. Do you think there is an argument to be made that the Aprilia is the most all-round sort of best MotoGP package on the grid and just Peko makes the difference on the Ducati? I think if you're going to go to every single kind of circuit, your best bet is still the Ducati. I think if you're going for a, like circuits with really long corners and stuff like that, then the Aprilia is clearly the, the best um, so like you know Catalonia, Phillip Island, uh, Silverstone, those kind of circuits, you've got to feel that the where there's not many hard braking zones, the Aprilia is going to be uh, better than the Ducati. But I think if you're going to place a safe bet on a bike to choose, you're going to pick the Ducati. If Aprilia keep going the way they appear to be going development wise this season, do you see them putting in a title challenge next season against Ducati? Or is that a, a it I think the bike actually in the moment is capable of that, but I feel like the riders just lack that tiny bit of consistency. Yeah, I mean, they do have, I'd say, three very solid riders in their camp. Um, Miguel Oliveira showed up and was strong at, at Catalonia as well, a track that we, he's won at before. Do you really think Ralph Fernandez might be sort of holding a, a prettier seat that many other riders would be chomping at the bit to get, or do you think he's justified to be there at the moment? Uh, I don't really know because we know what Ralph's talent is, but he hasn't really shown it. Mm. So I mean, we just have to if he if he's given another year, which I think is probably fair, then and if it still doesn't do anything next year, then he could probably go to World Superbikes or back to Moto2 and try and 
get the form back that he, he, he can do and then maybe try and go back to GP. Yeah, I have to admit I haven't been sold on him yet in MotoGP. Moto2 obviously he was solid, you have to say that, him against Remy Gardner. But I haven't been too impressed on how he's done on either the KTM or the Aprilia yet. I know he's had injury problems this season with arm pump, but we'll see how it goes for the end of the season, I guess, for, for Raul. Dawn, I guess the other main MotoGP talking point will get to Moto 2 in a moment the main other talking point was that turn one crash at the start of the main race what did you make of it it was a bit of a a shambles I guess you could say a bit of a lunge from from Bastianini what were your thoughts when sort of it all sort of kicked off I guess yeah I mean you sort of couldn't really tell at the shot at the the TV showed you, but when it showed the replay, Bastianini, he was just launched in and he, he just knew he wasn't going to stop it. And, you know, he just, there was just chaos after that. And then the screen just sh- turned over and you just saw Peko spinning on the floor. It was just like, just like, red flag, please, red flag it. And it, yeah. And I mean, me and Jack spoke that in Moto 3 and Moto 2, you normally perhaps expect them to have a turn one melee, and none of them did. You know, it just seemed to be the chaos was in the the GP class. Yeah, um, actually, that's a good point. There wasn't really any of that in Moto Two or Moto Three this weekend. No, it's just we had it in Austria as well with Martin. Um, I think Alicia Spargo mentioned it in his press conference and said, um, "Excuse me," he said about how the riders need to be more careful into Turn One. Don't get me wrong, I like the hard racing i like the competition for for race wins but i do think it gets a bit out of hand when one rider takes out four other riders that are also of the same manufacturer as his and, and I, I think, think... You, also, you also find that it's martin's done it bastianini's done it it's when like they've been a fast rider and they've happened to have qualified a yeah. bit lower down and they're anxious they've got to get to the front you know so i think in both those times that's what's happened yeah i i agree with you 100 percent there that it's the the thing of bad qualifying wanting better race results uh i think bastianini might be a bit lucky that they uh, announced earlier on in that weekend that he would be staying in the factory team for next season because if uh they hadn't have announced that. It may have been a little bit of a, a head-scratching decision of, is that the right call to make? Um, but no, it's just, it looked like desperation, really. Um, he is, well, Bastianini himself has broken or fractured his ankle and his wrist, hasn't he? After that, he came out of it the worst out of anyone. Um, let you mention as well, Peko had monster high side coming out of turn two, I think it technically is, uh, hit by Brad Binder. None of Binder's fault, obviously. Um, looked bad. Looked like it could be a broken leg, potentially, for Bonyai, the way he got hit by the KTM. He has been declared fit for this weekend, though, um, with only bruising. Jack, is that a surprise for you, that um, Pecco got away so lightly, I guess, with the incident that he got caught up in? Yeah, because I mean, you compare, it's a, it was basically a similar one to, say, Ian Hutchinson had, like, at Silverstone all those years ago, where exactly the same, he's spinning on circuit, somebody hit his legs, and that, you know, that was a really big setback for him, but I guess Brad hit him the best way possible, if that makes any sort of sense, and just 
Kaku's just got extremely lucky and thankfully he can now ride this weekend and I don't know what his plans, his mindset's going to be. I would not be surprised if his mindset is still to win despite everything, but uh, we'll have to just wait and see how he gets on. Yeah, he still has a 50-point lead in the championship, 50 points exactly, so he can afford a round to sort of drop back a little bit, but it's at home, it's, you know, Ducati's home round, I don't see Peko doing that, I don't, I think his mentality will now be, I need to extend that gap again, and if he is feeling okay, he will go out and do that, and probably will do that, the way he's been riding this season, but Dawn, we've been saying that we've not seen any mistakes from Peko for a long time now, do you think that was a a Peko mistake, or do you think there may have been something more in that, like a cold tire or something along those lines? Yeah, I'm thinking cold tire definitely, and it was a, it was a massive high side. So yeah, I just think there were he hadn't warmed it, the tires weren't warm enough. I know Peko got asked when leaving hospital. Um, what happened and he said it was strange so he doesn't really seem to know but I know every motorbike racer would say it was a strange high side I don't think it was my fault but there may be more behind it maybe a traction control issue I'm, I'm not sure I guess he said on the wall that the rear tyre felt strange to him right so it may have been more to it than rider error if that makes sense so I don't know hopefully he'll get through this weekend without injury and doesn't make it worse so he can keep challenging for his title because I know a lot of people were thinking that was it that was title challenge done but anyway he'll be riding this weekend that's the MotoGP carnage really dealt with from MotoG- uh, from last weekend and I guess the other main talking point Moto2 and I'm sure we're all happy with the Moto2 result I didn't think it was going to happen at one point in the race but Jake Dixon has claimed his second Moto2 race win of his career and of this season Dawn, I have to admit, it looked like a very, very mature ride from Jake. Someone who's thrown away races in the positions he was in, like he was on the weekend. Do you think we're seeing a bit of a different Jake Dixon now at this point? Yeah, definitely. Because when he was leading at one point, and then I think he went down to fourth. I think last season that would have been it for him. He'd have probably stayed fourth or perhaps even crashed. But the fact he come back to win definitely and he controlled the race he didn't look panicked so definitely a a much more confident mature rider this year would you say after the ride you saw on the weekend it is a rider who is deserving of a step up to MotoGP potentially he does but me personally I think it'd do him well to have another year in Moto2 yeah, because I know that Grassini door is still open and there's still talks that maybe he might be on that despite signing a contract with Aspar. Um, Jack, on Jake Dixon, what did you make of it? Did you think it was this... Do you think it was the best race we've seen from Jake Dixon's time in the MotoGP paddock? Uh, I'd say in terms of strategy-wise, yes, because he, he played it perfectly. He... It really from the start you sort of knew it was going to be between him and Canada because the costs were had to come all the way back all the way from ninth to so you knew his tire was going to be a bit worse off and then he got pushed off by Lopez which really ended his chances of victory and then I sort of thought when it was him versus Canet Canet obviously he's got the curse of he's now got twelve second places so it's like Jake's going to win because it's Canet because Canet's either going to crash or finish second so. Um, yeah, I feel like 
just everything that could have gone right did go right for Jake in that race and he just played it as well as he could have done. Yeah, there's now 44 points between Jake and Acosta in the championship. And I'll ask you both this. But Jack, do you think Dixon is now back in a championship challenge or do you think Acosta at other tracks that we'll go to later on this year will just be unbeatable again? Uh, it's not over, but I feel like... I mean, that's Pedro's first race off the podium in the dry since uh, Mategi last season. So, you know, I'll have to just wait and see how he... I'm assuming Mazzani will be back on the podium. I think it will just generally depend on all the consistencies, but I feel like if I'm going to put my money on between the two, I'd put my money on Acosta just because I think he's just that little bit faster. Okay, yep, I, I get that with the Acosta side of things. Dawn, your thoughts. Is Jake Dixon back in a championship challenge or do you think Acosta's pretty much got it? I think he's going to bring it down closer, definitely, and he will take it to him, but I just think Acosta's going to do it. Yeah, that seems to be the main thing that everyone wants um, Jake to do it, sort of from a British point of view. A lot of people want to see Jake do it, but I, it's that thing of when you see Acosta when he's riding like we know he can, he is just the dominant force in Moto 2. But it is the last two races that he's been beaten by different riders, so you never know. Could be a little bit of pressure, could creep in, but I don't know if Pedro Acosta feels pressure really from the way he's ridden throughout his career so far um before we move on and talk about this weekend i'll have a quick glance through our predictions i don't think we did too well to be honest um <laughs> none of us got moto free that's not surprising should have gone messiah we did closer than Ortola did um moto two none of us said jake i don't think no none of us went for jake this is going well so far um but GP main race, Jack, you did say Alicia Spargo for the main race if it was dry. So that's one that one of us got right. That's good going. And none of us said Alicia for the sprint race. What a good weekend. <laughs> I, was, I think that might be our worst performance yet between the three of us on making predictions. <laughs> but we'll go we'll probably make some more bad ones again in a moment anyway for this weekend. Um yeah, this weekend, Mazzano Grand Prix. Marini has announced that he's staying with VR46 ahead of this weekend for next season. Not really too much to say on that. I don't think any of us are too surprised that he's going to be staying at his half-brother's team. Um, deserves to be there, other than, you know, he's not there just because who he is. He's there because he deserves to be there. Um, it's about really order to say him and Bez together again in that team not really too shocked on that front but there's that um and Jack you reminded me just before Takahashi is replacing Rins this weekend Jack do you think it might be just a bit of a a, a thank you for how he's done in the Suzuka eight hours because it's a bit of a different rider to call up to replace Rins yeah probably and maybe they want to just give Stefan Braz a bit of a break as well yeah, because I thought about Bridal, but yeah, I guess, because he's going to probably be testing at the start of next week, I guess, at the yeah. test. Yeah, get him. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably crash in the, if he was there anyway, so 
Better make sure he, he's not injured for a crucial test for next season. So that might be good thinking, actually. Um, yeah, this weekend, it's meant to be dry, I think, the last I checked. Uh, I'm not really too sure how it's going to go. Dawn, do you see anyone sort of standing out to you before the weekend's even begun as someone who could throw up a bit of a surprise result? I'm expecting Bezeki to do well. I think Mama's going to be on him this weekend. Why the the Bezeki side? Do you think it's because you know the, the championship may be back in contention if Peko is a little bit injured? Yeah, and I think it's you know it's home country for him as well. He tends to go well there. So yeah, and the fact that Peko, yeah, he's riding, but we don't quite know the fitness level he's going to be able to do. So yeah, I think I'll go with Bezeki. Do you reckon, I'll ask you about his teammate as well, do you reckon there could be any sort of side of it to go for Marini, you know, just announced his new contract? Do you reckon he'd be up there as well? Yeah, definitely. And it'd be nice to see Marini on the podium. He'd that would be good, actually. Better this weekend. That would, that would be good to see a Marini podium because they were both really off the pace in Catalonia. That was... Uh, yeah, very. A massive. But then they were both off the pace in Jerez as well, if I remember rightly. So maybe it's just a team, uh, a thing with Spain that the team don't particularly do well there. Um, Jack, anyone stand out to you that sort of, you know, the Vinales is or anyone that you could see putting in a surprise result this weekend? Uh, I was trying to look at the thing like from last year. I'm glad Maverick, Maverick was third last year, so... And it's not long run to turn one, so if he can do quali- good qualifying, then maybe he could do something. Yeah, I think it'd be. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Prillian versus maybe VR46, and then you maybe chuck Martin or Zark, Martin in there, maybe Bender as well. Yeah, Bender, that's someone I thought. Yeah, I think it's going to be multiple different manufacturers that will be up towards the front. It will be nice to see a pretty edge Catty and KTM up there, sort of the three front runners at the moment. Let's go for our predictions for this weekend of MotoGP racing as well. Jack, I'll ask you about Moto3, but I doubt we'll, we'll get get it get it right because it's so wild. You got any thoughts on the Moto3 class for, for this weekend? Daniel Garda. I thought that's why you'd be saying Holgado after you made that point last week. Dawn, have you got um, any calls for, for this weekend for Moto3? I'll go Danny Sonchu. Yeah, fair enough. Put, looking very strong at the yeah. moment. Yeah. Do I risk? Yeah, I'm going to go for him. Jaume Masia <laughs> is my, my call. Did well there last year. Did well in uh, Catalonia. Hopefully might do well again this weekend. Jack, Moto2 side of things. Who's your your choice for race winner? When I'll go... I'll go with Costa just because I don't really know. <laughs> it's always a safe bet, isn't it? If you're not not sure in the Moto2 class. 
Dawn, your uh, your thoughts towards Moto Two? I'll go Jake Dixon. Just purely from his form from last time out, or is yeah, just continuing his form. I think he'll be feeling rather confident. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Moto. Um, the speed ups go well there, don't they? Um, Arbelino's been off the pace recently. I'm going to go Agura. I reckon he's going to have a, a, a decent weekend. He needs one if he's uh, apparently out of the uh, Asia Talent Cup team. So he would need a good result to put himself back on the map of some of the top teams. Uh, the MotoGP side of things, Jack, in the sprint race, you got any ideas who in that race? Bez. Okay, Bez for the sprint. Dawn, your call for the sprint race? Zaki for the sprint race. Bez. Um. Ah. I don't no, who I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Vin. No, I'm not gonna go Vinales. I'm gonna go Alicia Spargo. I reckon he'll do okay in a sprint. Jack, the main Grand Prix race. I'll take a punt at Luca. Oh, that's what I was gonna go for. I don't want to go for that now. Um, yeah, good call. He did well there last year. Um, just announced his contract. Good choice really on that front. Dawn, your call for the main Grand Prix. I'll go with something to be different. I'll go Binder. Yeah, Binder's a, a, a solid shout. I was thinking him for the the sprint race as well because he seems to be a bit of a demon in that. So it'll be interesting to see how the, the KTMs get along really around around Mazzano. Um Main race. I'm going to go Vinales. That's my call for... So we've all gone different for the main race and I think we've only got the same with you two going for both Bez in the sprint race so it'll be an interesting one I think this weekend I don't see much I was going to say I don't really see a shake up but it all depends on Peko's none of us have said Peko so I think we're all thinking he might be a little bit worse for wear when it actually comes out to being out on track maybe I could still see him getting a podium but I don't know if a win and fighting for that win might be a step too far, depending on how his leg really is when it comes to being on the bike. I did see a video of him arriving today for his medical test, and it was all in a big strap, so I wouldn't be surprised if it is a little bit worse than he sort of let on. Um, but no, I think this weekend it's going to be a hectic one with both <laughs> World Superbike and MotoGP going on, but it'll all be covered on Short Shift News, obviously, like it always is. Um, don't think there's anything else to add ahead of this weekend's racing. I don't think there's much more towards it. No, there's been nothing else announced. So, yeah, I think this is a, a good place to, to end this episode. And uh, join us next week for episode 25 where we look at our predictions. And I'm sure our World Superbike ones will probably be better than our MotoGP ones. I'm almost certain that that will be the case. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Join us again next week and goodbye.